Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. All right, so this morning I'm starting a new series. It's called Revival. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about is repentance. When I, when I look and, and see um, in the past, uh, our recent history, and even when we look back in the Old Testament and things like that, when the people drifted away from the Lord, uh, many times they would come back and they would repent, and there, there would be revival. And my heart is so burdened uh, in these days to see revival to see God move powerfully in our midst, to see people that are struggling with all the challenges of today and, and totally lost, that they would come into this relationship with the Lord. And honestly, you know, we maybe you've heard that, oh, there's an end-time revival coming. And, and I'm not sure that I've always felt that or be, really believed that in my heart. But I do believe that now. I believe that we are going to see an end-time revival where God is going to pour out in a, in a miraculous way. And when we go back and look at the history of Israel, we see that many times they drifted away from the Lord. And, and in fact, the, the Lord told the children of Israel, don't marry these other tribes. Don't marry into these other tribes. Was it because he was racist? No, he created all of us, right? But it, it was because he knew that they would begin to, to worship the pagan gods that these other tribes worshipped. And, and they, would, uh, they would begin to bring their cultures into the culture of the, of the Jews. And, and many of those things would not be good. But we see where many times, oftentimes, the, the Israelites would repent. But through, through our life, there are times when we may drift away from the Lord. And we go through seasons, and, and we, we may want to come back to the Lord. Hopefully we do. We're seeing today that many churches have and are drifting far away from the Lord. America is in a, a major downward decline morally and spiritually, drifting away from the Lord. We have uh, things that, that are being embraced in our culture and even in the church that, that God says clearly are are wrong. They're wicked. They're evil. And uh, one of the things that is of great concern here in this country is we are removing God and prayer from our schools, from our churches, from our homes, from our communities. Um, and this, this is kind of strong, but uh, abortion has, has now just become a, a regular form of birth control. Millions of children, babies, have been aborted. And let me say this. There's, there's a good chance that somebody here or somebody watching online has had an abortion. There is grace. There is grace and forgiveness for those things. But that doesn't make it right. And it's not something that we should embrace. It's not something as believers. The Word says that we are to care for those who cannot care for themselves, the innocent, the widows and orphans. And if the, if the church doesn't have a respect for life, 
There's something wrong. Life is, is given and created by God, and it's something precious to be valued. The culture, even the church, is embracing all types of ungodliness. And I think we see today more than ever that the culture is trying to normalize what God says is evil and wicked. And the culture says, oh, it's okay, it's normal. No, it's not. And as believers, we should not be drinking that Kool-Aid. <laughs> Isaiah 5, verse 20 says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. And, and I never thought that I would see this in our culture. I never thought that I would see this in the Western church. But that's what we're seeing today. That people are calling good evil and evil good. I like the, this uh, translation in the New American Standard Bible in Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light. And light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And that's what we see happening in the world around us. They're substituting evil for good. So again, we're starting this series called Revival. And the first, uh, I'm going to take the, the first letter, or the letter from each of these words, Revival. And it's going to be the topic for the, the sermon for the week. And so today is Repent. Spiritual revival begins with repentance. I think, you know, I thought about this. Can I say this definitively? But I think I can. I, I can't think of an example where, especially in modern day times, where there was revival without repentance. People would come together and they would pray for hours and they would be on their knees and they would be crying and they would be repenting. And then God would pour out and there'd be revival. And I'm not talking about revival where, oh, you go to a meeting for a week, every night for a week, and, and then you leave the same. I'm talking about there's an encounter with God that stays with us, that changes our life permanently. It's not a temporal thing. And I believe that's what God wants to do today. And, and again, we can look back and see the history of Israel, of how they would turn away from God and they would worship these pagan gods and they would do all these ungodly things and they would be taken into captivity because God would remove his protection from them. But really that was for, for their good because they would come to a place where they would say, Lord, we repent we're so sorry. We're going to come back to you. And so God would use those situations to get his people's attention. God loves us enough to get our attention sometimes. Matthew 3.8 says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Repentance is not just a word or something we say, oh, I've repented. But, but Matthew is saying, prove by the way that you live. Don't just say it. 
Prove that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. One way we prove repentance is we go out and live it. Repentance means to change the way I think about sin. That's the first part of this repentance. It's to change the way I think about sin. And the second part is that, we also, that we're honest in saying to the Lord, I'm truly sorry, Lord. Man, I was thinking about this statement the last few days as I was preparing this message, and I thought, well, repentance means to change the way I think. So I can think, okay, look, I know this is bad for me. I know this is bad for my marriage. I know this is bad for my family or whatever. But if, if I haven't really gone to the Lord and said, hey, I'm sorry, Lord, I want to change, there may not be a change. Because changing the way we think doesn't necessarily change the way that we act. But when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I repent. I'm truly sorry. Or we can say, Lord, I'm sorry. And there be no change. And we can go on. And the next day or the next week continue to do the same thing. And we can come back to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. Now, we've probably all done this where we've gone to our spouse and said, Honey, I'm sorry I did that. And then do it again. (laughs) Hopefully there's grace in that, right? But we're a work in progress. But we need to get serious about our relationship with the Lord. And please hear me, I'm not talking about performing better. I'm talking about yielding to the Lord. I will make room for you, Lord. Break down the walls of all my tradition. Break down these walls of religion in my life. Let me seriously seek you and press into you, not in a performing way, but in allowing you to transform my heart and my life. Every one of us have sin in our life. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, you have sin in your life. <laughs> now reciprocate. <laughs> If you don't have sin in your life, from time to time you have had sin in your life, okay? Well, let me just say it that way. Uh, I've shared this with my wife, and I have talked about getting T-shirts. And uh, her T-shirt would say, I have issues. But mine would say, I am the result. He is the, re- he is the result of my issues. So, you know, we, we kind of joke about that. Uh, Oh, yeah, I am her issues. Okay, there you go. She's gonna, her shirt says, I have issues, and my shirt says, I am the issue. All right? But we all, that's why it's important that we come together as the body of Christ so we can encourage one another and we can stand with one another. And when we're going through struggles or challenges, there's a family around us that really loves us and cares about us, is there for us. If you are unable to get free from something for years, you're in bondage. And Jesus came to set us free. We know Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have abundant life. And sometimes people are in bondage and they're not free because they simply won't yield to the Lord. They won't give these things up to the Lord. If we truly desire to experience revival, repentance is needed. 
Romans 12.1, we've talked about these, these uh, Romans 12.1 and 2 a lot. And, and Paul is writing to the church of, of Rome, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Paul is saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm asking you to please. Let's read on. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all he has done for you. Al just talked about it for communion. We we take time to reflect and say, remember what what the Lord has done for us. And Paul is saying to give your bodies to God for all he's done for you. When we come to the understanding that, that we can't get to heaven on our own, we cannot be good enough. It's only through Christ and what he's done we have an understanding of what Christ has really done for us. Because I don't think we can fully understand holy and, and versus unholy because we live in a sin-filled world and we've never really experienced total holiness like God has. How do I know if I'm giving my body to glorify God? Your body carries out your actions. I mean, it's pretty clear if we can see if we're living a holy life. I want you to go with me somewhere. Okay. Maybe close your eyes. I'm going to rob a bank. So I'm going to pull up on the side street. I'm going to put a bag in my pocket. I'm going to put on a mask. No, no, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm not going to put on the mask yet. Because that would be awkward walking down the sidewalk to the bank, right? Okay, I'm going to leave my mask off. I'm going to go in the bank. Right? No, wait. Before I get in the bank, I'm going to put on the mask. I'm going to go in the door and I'm going to say, Okay, everybody on the floor, this is a bank robbery. And I'm going to pull out my bag and I'm going to give it to the teller. And I'm, I'm going to say, don't, don't set off any alarms and put all the money in the bag. Then I'm going to leave. I'm going to run out the door. I'm going to run down the side street. I'm going to get in the car. Um, start it up. I'm going to take my mask off and I'm going to drive away. Okay, I've just robbed a bank and you are accomplices. <laughs> okay, so did I really rob a bank? No, I didn't rob a bank. I thought about it. Now, if I were to rob a bank, that might be the place where it starts in my mind, right? Because I've thought about it. I planned it out. But what... What we're talking about today is repenting and not just thinking about it, but actually doing that. Romans 12.1 continues. He's talking about our bodies here. Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Does the life that you're living reflect uh, an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord? Is he pleased? And what he sees in your life? I'm not talking about us giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures. I'm talking about something much more costly that, that we're saying, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my dreams. I'll be inconvenienced. Because it's not all about me. It's really about serving you and yielding to you. 
Let me, let's go back to Romans 12, 1. Let them, our bodies, be a living and a holy sacrifice to kind he will find acceptable. I remember talking with someone recently about helping with the sunrise service, and, and uh, most of us were there a few weeks ago at the Kingma Boardwalk. There were several hundred people there for the uh, sunrise service, and uh, most of you, I would say, if not all of you, helped and supported that and were serving. And I was talking to this person about helping out, and, and they said, well, you know, that's, that's really early in the morning. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, it is early in the morning. But is our involvement in what the Lord is doing, is our commitment to what the Lord is doing based on our convenience? Is that the criteria? Well, okay, I'll serve. I'll yield to the Lord when it's convenient for me or if it's convenient for me. Is your life a, a living and holy sacrifice. Every Sunday morning, Cliff and the team, they load up the equipment, bring it over here. Unload it. Load it back. Take it back. The Tech Arts team gets, gets here early to set up everything and make sure everything's working okay. Many of you are serving, helping set up chairs, and then when we leave, take down. That's what I'm talking about, serving. You may think, oh, well, it's just setting up chairs. It's just... Well, no, it's, it's not just something. It's important because they're serving us. And in the process, they are reflecting God's heart. In the process, they're doing this for the Lord. They're doing this for you. There's, you know, who knows the impact that it's having worldwide when people watch the videos. They've done an outstanding job. Victor and the team have done a great job of increasing, increasing the production quality of what they're recording. Because they understand that what we do here on Sunday mornings, what they do on Sunday mornings has an eternal impact potentially in people's lives. They realize that people are not going to watch a cruddy presentation and when you look at the production quality, it's excellent. I've been telling Victor and the team that you look back here on, on, on the screen, it doesn't even look real. It's so beautiful. Uh, people are probably thinking they're, they're speaking in front of a green screen and projecting something from somewhere else. I mean, it's beautiful out there. But it doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes people serving. It takes people that are committed and dedicated. And that's just one thing. Yes. So that's just one thing that, that, that happens. But God is looking at our hearts. And when you think back to what the, the people that have influenced us put their lives, died for us. Not, okay, let's start with Christ. We'll look at the disciples. It wasn't convenient for them to be in prison, for Paul to be writing letters of encouragement to the believers while he's in prison. There was a commitment there. 
So my first point is spiritual revival begins with repentance. My second point is ministry is an inconvenience. It's a selfless sacrifice. So I've just talked about some of the things that we see going on in-house. But what, you know, I think about people out on the mission field that are sacrificing even greater. They may not have clean water to drink. They may not have a lot of food. They, they may be putting their lives literally on the line for sharing the gospel and even their children. Some of the missionaries we support, they take their children out there. I can tell you and, and this that it's an honor and privilege that we get to do this, but it, it costs. It's hard. Many of you know that we were caretakers for my mom for a number of years, and man, it's, it's not been an easy thing to do, to plant this church and, and, and do what God's called us to do, but we are privileged and honored, and please hear me, I am not complaining. I'm just speaking reality here, transparent, authentic, and honest. But, but our sacrifice is minimal compared to what some people sacrifice. They're sacrificing their lives going out into the mission field. I remember when I worked at Valero and at Selenese, and uh, when I would, when I would uh, badge in at, at Selenese, you badge in, you go through the turnstile. It's supposed to be there at 7.30. If you get there at 7.35 or 7.40, even if I needed to come in late, if I, I could call my boss and say, hey, I, I, I can't come in, or may I come in at 10 o'clock this morning or whatever. And if I showed up five minutes late, I would just stay over five minutes. If I, sh if, if I showed up a few minutes late, I would just put in my full eight hours, right? But when I left there, it was done, man. I was done. And now in this position, it's never done. <laughs> And again, I'm not complaining. It's an honor to do this. But I'm just saying there are sacrifices involved when you, when you get full in with God. Even when you're, you're not in vocational ministry. It requires. But do we have this attitude of, well, I'll serve until it begins to cost me? It's not the right attitude to have. So let me ask you to close your eyes. I want to ask you a couple of questions, and I don't want you to answer. I just want you to consider these questions. Would others say that you live a godly life? Think about your coworkers, your neighbors, people that see you. Maybe they don't know you very well, but would they say you live a godly life? Here's the second question that's even more important. What does the Lord see? Okay, you can open your eyes. So Paul continues here in, in Romans 12, 1. Well, let me go back to the first part of that. Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Our life and lifestyle is how we worship the Lord. It's not just for 30 minutes on Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I will make room for you. You know, it's, it's about this lifestyle. And, and Sunday morning is part of our worship. A true worship to the Lord can only happen when we sincerely yield to Him or experience Him, engage with Him. 
that's where worship happens. And so when, you, when we come here on Sunday mornings, that's why it's important that we engage with him. You know, I've been to churches and they say, well, we don't go for the music. We come for the, the sermon part. Well, the music, the worship is an important part. It sets our hearts right. It gets our, our focus off of ourselves and what, what's going on the, the previous week or what's coming up that week where we engage with him and we can put all that stuff aside and just connect with him. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, uh, it talks about David, King David, wanting to build an altar to the Lord. And so he finds this location and he goes there and he talks to the landowner, and he says, I want to I buy this property. And the landowner says, this is for the Lord. You can have it. In fact, I'll, I'll give you the oxen for the sacrifice. I'll give you the ox cart that you can use to build a fire and the oxen to sacrifice, and you can have this land. And David said, no. No, I don't want you to give it to me. I want to pay full price because I will not present an offering to the Lord that has cost me nothing. David understood some things. He understood that it's a sacrifice that, that, that God honors. When we give to him from our heart, when we're saying, God, this is sacrificial to me, but I'm going to give to you. Lord, I'm busy right now, and the Holy Spirit is saying, pick up the phone and call somebody. The Holy Spirit is saying, go over and help somebody. The Holy Spirit is saying, stop and pray for this person right now. The Holy Spirit is saying, humble yourself and go and apologize. So, David understood that it wasn't a money thing. It was a heart thing. Service to the Lord is a heart thing. In 2 Chronicles 7, Solomon dedicates the temple. And so in the process, he wants to dedicate, he wants to sacrifice animals to the Lord. He wants to give something to the Lord of value. He wants to give something of sacrifice. If he would have given 500 cattle... I would say that would be a lot. A thousand? He gave, he sacrificed 22,000 cattle. I think most people would say that's extreme, that's extravagant. <laughs> okay, so he sacrificed 22,000 cattle. Let's, uh, you want to sacrifice some sheep and goats? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that too. How many? 500? 1,000? Well, let's see. You sacrifice 22,000 cattle. You want to do 22,000 sheep and goats? No. I want to do 120,000 sheep and goats. David understood something. Solomon, his son, understood something about giving to the Lord. Do we understand something about giving our lives to the Lord? Are we just throwing a little something to the Lord? Oh, here, you can have this. Forgetting what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing for us now. That maybe there were times when, 
when we shouldn't have even survived an evening or a night or something. And looking at how God has provided for us, met our needs, and I'm not just talking about materialistic or financial, but about peace and love and joy and, and things that He gives us. And so in 2 Chronicles 7, 13-14, the Lord tells Solomon, He says, At times I may shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. And we saw that God did those things. Why? Because He was trying to get the heart of the people to turn back to Him, to turn away from the pagan gods and the lifestyles that they were engaged in. The Lord knew that they were going to turn away from time to time. And he's giving Solomon kind of a, 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 a look forward into what some of the things that would be happening in the land of Israel. But he gives Solomon the way to turn back to the Lord. But before I go there, let's look at the, our three points again. Spiritual revival begins with repentance. We want to see, do we really want to see revival happen in this nation? Then we need to repent. Ministry is an inconvenience. It's a selfless sacrifice. My third point is repenting requires of us. So let's read uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And you probably heard the scripture. You probably quoted it. But we're going to take our time and we're going to go through this. So... Uh, the Lord tells Solomon, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among, among you. And then he says in verse 14, Then, if. Okay, so when these things happen, when, I, when things happen, when things go wrong, and you, you begin to think, Hey, maybe I need to turn back to God. Then, if. Then if my people who are called by my name, he's writing, he's, he's talking to Solomon about the people of Israel, but this is relevant for us as well. Are you called by his name? Are you one of his children? We say that we are. We say, hey, Lord, I give you my life. I receive you into my heart and my life. If my people who are called by my name, so this is inclusive of us too. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What he's talking about here in verse 14 is, is not something that he does necessarily. It's something that we do, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. God is not taking us by the neck and, and saying, okay, humble yourself. It's a choice that we make. Are you humble? Let's read on. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. There's an element of humility when we pray, right? We're saying, Lord, would you forgive me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, I cannot do this on my own. We're acknowledging that we need his help. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So prayer is not just simply, God is great, God is good, and we thank Him for this food. Amen, let's eat. He's talking about pray and seek His face. Lord, I'm crying out to you. 
I'm in a desperate situation. I need you to move, Lord. I need you to do something. I need you to fix my broken, messed up life. I need need you to fix my, my marriage, my home. Lord God, we need you to fix this nation. You are the solution. Not the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents or any of that. You are the solution, Jesus. And so he's saying to seek is to actively pursue him. Not just throw something his way. Okay, Lord, I'm praying now. I need you right now, so I'm, I'm intent on grabbing hold of you. Now that you've fixed my, my situation, I'm moving on. I'm good now. Do you know how many times we've seen that? Where people are like crying out, I need God, I need a job, I need, you know. And we pray for them, and then they're gone. Thanks, God. I'm good now. See you at the next crisis. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And, okay, there's more. And turn from their wicked ways. Stop participating in ungodly behavior. Turn away from it. God is giving Solomon the keys. God is giving us the keys to what we need to do when we see these things happening in our nation, in our lives. Oh, Lord, help us in our churches. Then we see the response from God. I will hear from heaven. The word says that that God doesn't honor the prayers of the unrighteous, the evil, the wicked. He doesn't honor those prayers. He honors the prayers of the righteous. We're made righteous by the blood of Christ because we've been washed. But we have a choice to make. Will we turn from those things? Or will we continue to engage in things that are destructive in our lives and that that God says that we shouldn't be involved in? That's a choice we make. One of the greatest things that God has given us is, is a free will. And he says, I will hear from heaven. God's saying, I'll take note. Hmm, I think they're serious. Imagine that your child or your grandchild comes to you and, and they're just placating. They're just going through the motions. But then something happens and you see a change in their heart. You see that they're really serious. That impacts you, right? You're like, okay, you're not just playing a game here. You're being serious. And so God takes note. And then he goes on to say, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. Forgiveness of our sins is a result of repenting. He goes on to say, I I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. He's not only talking about us forgiving our sins and drawing us into this relationship, but he says, I'll restore the land. We need a restoration. Let's personalize this this morning. So if I choose to yield to the Lord, and if I choose to humble myself, And if I choose to pray, and if I choose to sincerely seek the Lord, and if I choose to turn away from those things that I shouldn't do, that's our part, and his part is he will listen.
He'll be attentive to our prayers. He will forgive our sins. He will restore people and the land too. God cares more about people than he does the mountains and the hills and the valleys and all of those things. But we need the Lord to restore us. Before, Because what's a nation made of? A nation is made up of people. And if the church has faltered, if the church has compromised, if the church is acquiescing to the culture that is ungodly, what do you think the world's going to do? And as America deliberately turns away from the Lord, we should be concerned because we have a vested interest. We live in the greatest, if not the second greatest nation in the entire world where we have the freedom that this nation was founded on, on God. In my life, I've never seen a turning away from the Lord at this degree. I mean, it just things are rapidly deteriorating right before our very eyes. But we've read the book, and we may be in the movie now, of what, of what happens in the end times. And the Word says that there, there will be very difficult times. If, indeed, things continue to deteriorate at the rate that they are going, are we prepared? I mean, are we strong in our relationship with the Lord? Are we strong in our faith? Do we live this thing out? I saw an article the other day where a, a public elementary school board was, was uh, coming against a university, uh, Arizona Christian University, for what they were teaching Jesus' values and cultures and that they want, want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. And they were concerned about this. I'm like, well, just don't go to the university if you don't like what they're teaching. But look at, look at what's being taught today in our schools. Look at what's being removed. I mean, let's not even start at the schools. Let's start in the church. <laughs> Proverbs 28.2 says, When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. There is spiritual decline in, in our nation. which promotes evil, wickedness, and problems. This is not a political message. This is a spiritual message of what we're seeing. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we would have abundant life. The Lord desires to work through our lives to change a lost and dying world. Spiritual, maturity, uh, spiritual revival begins with repentance. Ministry is an inconvenience. It's a selfless sacrifice. Repenting requires of us. Serving requires of us. Giving our life to the Lord requires of us. Proverbs 28.13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Confessing our sins to the Lord leads to forgiveness. And that, that's not necessarily confessing your sin to a man. I mean, you can. 
but a man can't forgive. Only God forgives. And so maybe there's somebody in your life, a pastor, someone that you trust, or maybe you go and talk to when you're struggling. That's okay. That's okay. But understand that only God can forgive sins. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this morning you're feeling some conviction about your life, and you'd say, I want to rededicate my life to the Lord today. Or maybe you've never really had a relationship with the Lord. And you would say, I want to give my life to Him today. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Anybody here this morning? There's no shame in that. Thank you for that. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Well, then just let me lead you in a prayer. Lord, just repeat this prayer to say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I receive your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness today. And I thank you that that old stuff is gone. Today is a fresh start and a new beginning. And I pray this prayer with great expectation in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer with you. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit to wash over those that prayed that prayer. Oh, over all of us, Lord. And that as they read your word, it, come, it would come alive. As they spend time in prayer, your word would speak to their hearts and, and Holy Spirit would speak to them. And they would hear your small, still voice. They would recognize your voice. They would be able to discern your voice from other voices, their own voice. And Lord, um, that you would just pour into them in a powerful way, changing their heart, changing their life. So we pray this prayer with great expectation in Jesus' name. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. When, when we gather on Wednesdays and pray, we're praying for a Jesus revival. I'm praying a lot in my personal time that we will see God move in such a powerful way that the lost that are engaged in all kinds of stuff would be drawn to Christ but I think, as I've, as I've already mentioned, that revival begins with repentance. And so the, the Tech Arts team is going to play a song called, make, they're going to play Make Room Again. And I want to open up the front. If, if you'd like to come down and kneel, or you want to stay where you are and pray, and let's all just repent of anything in our lives that is not pleasing to God. And let's get hungry Let's get really, really serious about seeing God do something miraculous and bring revival into our lives first, into our church first, our church family first, into our communities, into the world. There have been multiple prophecies that have been spoken over this area that revival is going to take place. And it's going to be different than, than what everybody thinks revival looks like. But it's going to be impactful, and it's going to spread not only through this, this community, but through the nation, maybe through the world. I'm hungry for that. I want to see marriages and lives healed, restored. 
I want to see chains broken off of people's lives. They would be set free. I want to see all of us living the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So I'm asking all of us this morning to just repent, you know. Whatever it is in your life, I'm sure there's something in every life here that we could say, Lord God, help me in this. Again, if you want to come down, if you want to kneel, if you want to stay, whatever, we're just going to take a couple of minutes and we're just going to say, Lord, reveal anything to us in our lives. And then we're going to give those things to him. We're going to say, Lord, I repent in Jesus' name. Amen. We surrender ourselves to you. You're faithful. Your word always remains truth, Jesus. We thank you for your promises. I really hope that you'll continue to join us in, in prayer for a revival. Join us at the property on Wednesdays if you can. And I'm trying, I'm typically reading one proverb a, a day on Sunday uh, from that, that proverb. How, are you guys reading Proverbs? You staying with it? Today's the 7th, so if you haven't read Proverbs 7, read Proverbs 7. Uh, verse 1 says, Follow my advice, my son, always treasure my commands. There's, there's a wealth of wisdom and knowledge in the Proverbs, so I encourage you. Tomorrow's the 8th, so if you haven't been reading, start reading Proverbs 8 tomorrow. All right, join us. We're going to read throughout the whole year. You guys good? Listen, this is a tough message, but we live in a desperate world where things are changing. The Lord gave us a word uh, back in 2019 or 2020. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. It's come to an end. It's different. It's never going back. It's never going back. So we need to be prepared for the day, the coming days ahead. We need to shore up, and uh, we we need to we want to see revival. Amen.